Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is it like to die? Is the vaunted near-death experience nothing but a bunch of neurons firing in the brain? Why do people so often come out of NDEs with enhanced awareness and even healing powers? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 363rd broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Now, I guess the 400, I'm just going to forget to say 400. I'm so used to saying 300, and it's it's just going to... You've been doing this all your life. Most of it, for a very large portion of it. Mm. So, and those strange questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So tonight, we're looking at death experiences, or NDEs, with with a psychotherapist who says she has been through it twice. That's something you don't hear too often. But uh, first, let's welcome our special guest co-host for this evening, and that is our good friend and paranormal researcher in his own right, Father Anthony Perkins of St. Michael's Ukrainian Orthodox Church right here in Winsaka, Rhode Island. Now it's time for a weekly paranormal contest. On what island could you find the... Chicky Charney. I don't Chick even. Charney. Chick Charney. Sorry, I'm. I, well, I'm only used his to saying. Friends like, call him Chicky Charney. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a very good nickname for a Chick Charney. So. Well, Mike Page of Springfield, Massachusetts, was the first to answer correctly. Andros Island in the Bahamas. The Chick Charney is supposed to be a giant flightless bird that is sometimes said to resemble an enormous owl. You know, it's funny when you hear. You go back into human folklore, this owl thing with the almond-shaped eyes. You know, I, I've, been, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, the, the, the similarities between various areas of folklore and the modern alien reports, this sort of thing. Owls often figure in this. But anyway, it's one of the people don't see it more often because that's a tourist area, I would think. Anyway, who knows? Well, it's one of those things. Congratulations to Mike Page. Well, it's not like it's sort of like going to the Loch Ness and expecting to like wave like or give a high five to, lo- to Nessie. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? All right. So this week's question is, uh, what creature went on a rampage on the outskirts of Philadelphia in 1909? So be first to get that right. And win a copy of The Energy Healer's Guide by tonight's guest. Now, we do welcome callers this evening. Uh, Very often we get yakking and we forget to give you the numbers, but here they are. Locally or from Canada, 401-766-1240. Or from anywhere in the USA, 800-449-1240. Now to our guest. Nancy Clark, Ph.D., is a medical intuitive, an international lecturer and workshop facilitator on a variety of subjects. Uh, The author of Earth in Ascension and The Energy Healer's Guide, which Ben just mentioned. She is a certified neurolinguistic programmer and hypnotherapist. Her doctorate is in philosophy. I will relate to that because that's a runner of a doctorate, but I have an equivalent of a master's in philosophy. And she is now a candidate for ND, a naturopathic doctor. Nancy has authored several books, published in several languages, plus video and audio cassettes. She experienced dramatic NDEs, or near-death experiences, once as a child and once as a teenager. Then in 1991, according to her bio, quote, Nancy spontaneously began to see inside the body. Uh, at, that, at that time, she had never heard the term medical intuitive. Uh, within two months, she had been working with many people who initially wanted a session Within a short period of time, clients were asking to learn how to do what she was doing, unquote. At the same time, Nancy has carried out a number of projects around the world, including several to reduce stress in post-communist countries. As a result, uh, her work has been presented to the European Professional Psychologists Association and the Adlerian Summer Institute. Her ongoing projects include summer camps for teens and preteens, most recently held in Slovakia. In addition to speaking at many universities and colleges, she has given talks at the United Nations. Dr. Clark has private counseling, a, a private counseling practice, and her website, www.energyhealing.com. All right, so Dr. Nancy Clark, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Phew, that was a lot of information. <laughs> Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you. Oh, well, it's a pleasure to have you with us. So let's uh, get right down to brass tacks here and... Uh, So what is energy healing? Well, the main thing is that our bodies are nothing more than energy. And so when we have any type of illness or even a small pain, to me that looks like a disruption of the energy. 
so when you can get that energy moving again to whether it is a problem with your big toe or your liver, you can bring that back to health. Okay. All right. Uh, the two near-death experiences you had seem to have changed your life, as it, people report uh, all over the world when that occurs. How old were you when, when those occurred and what happened? The first time, I was six and a half years old, and I have to preface this by saying all children are in and out of the physical body and moving around in their spiritual body all the time, much more so than, than we are. So it was common for me as a child to consciously leave my body and terrorize my little sister because she could see my <laughs> spirit body running around. My sons never had to do that. They just terrorized each other. No. <laughs> in a different way. Huh? <laughs> but anyway, I was sitting in front of a window that was quite low. I was using a real iron that was uh, for children, but with a soaking wet doll dress in front of this window. And all of a sudden I found myself out of the body looking down as this bolt of lightning went through my chest and through me, through the iron in a different direction, went through the living room, through the dining room, and into a sun porch we had where it did a U-turn and knocked out the electricity. And so at that point... I, as I said, I was accustomed to being out of my body. But as in a younger child, I really had a lot of illness. And it was questionable whether I was going to stay or go. And at that point, I had a meeting with my spirit guides. And it was decided at that time that I would stay in a physical body and live out this lifetime. So... When I came back into consciousness, it was with an awareness that I was going to get healthier and healthier, which I did. Okay. Now, I, I don't know what it is with me, whether I was bitten by a spiritualist when I was a baby or something. But I, just, I, I just, I understand what you're saying, but... Uh, if you're familiar at all with our work, Ben and I are kind of voices crying in the wilderness. We we um, we see a lot more. I don't. Know, we just use different terms because I've never found the old explanations for spirit bodies and spirits and all this stuff to be entirely adequate. I'm not saying there are no such things. I think that, but but I think the explanations for a lot of these things are twice as weird and twice as physical as as these things may be. But again, we'll we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, what about your second? Um, second experience with an NDE. You were that 17, happened I believe? When I was 17 years old, and a group of at least 12 of us had gone to a state park where they had a river running through it, and a large dock was anchored in the center of the river. And so all of the group swam out to the dock. But I had had reoccurring nightmares since I was a child of drowning. And so... I was really reticent to get in the water. And finally, after 20 minutes or half an hour, they kept saying, come on, come on, you can make it. And so I judged my angle with the current and where I should enter the water. And I started swimming and swam and swam. And finally, I looked up, and I was no closer to the dock than I had been originally except now I was in the middle of the river. So I finally, I had no energy to, to yell to them or anything. And they were just fooling around, so they weren't paying attention to me. And I eventually made it to the dock. And just as I was about to reach up, they all ran to one side of the dock, not knowing that I was anywhere around. Oh, my goodness. And it flipped it up and sucked me right under the dock. Wow. Then when it came crashing down, I was already out of my body and I was about 10 feet up in the air. And the important thing to mention at this point is that when one is out of the body, you have no concern for your physical body. 
it could have been some old rag doll under there. And my concern was, well, I was interested in watching the teens, and then, again, I was called for a meeting, <laughs> and so I went off to see what I had to discover at this point. And it was about staying conscious to both worlds. So it's like walking between both worlds. I had probably more friends in spirit than I did in the physical world, always. All right. At any point, well, what happened? to Don't leave us hanging here. What happened under, <laughs> okay, the, under so the dock? I had a boyfriend who was a lifeguard, conveniently. And all of a sudden, he realized that I had never made it. And so the only place I could be was under the dock. So he dove in and saw my body trapped under there and came up for air and told everybody what he had found. And so they were ready to help pull me up when he got me out of under the huge oil drums that were filled with air. Then he was going to get me up where they could reach me and pull me up. And all of them said that I was really dead. But we decided never, ever to talk about it or our parents wouldn't let us go back. So it, I eventually came back into my body. Okay. So at any point were you actually declared clinically dead? No. No, because we were just kids on a dock. All right. Ben, did you want to continue? Or, or uh, can I? You just keep going. Okay. All right. So... Well, I'm wondering now were these really well, okay? Well, what sort of experience did you have while you were quote out of the body during the NDEs? So again, my main experiences have always been when I'm out of body to be in communication with those in spirit that I have been aware of. I'm sure for lifetimes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, we didn't even introduce Father Anthony. Well, we did, but he didn't say anything. He really is here. Father Anthony is not only a, uh, an Orthodox priest and a paranormal researcher in his own right, he's a former Army officer and intelligence analyst. And uh, we don't have him here because we, we want to analyze you, Dr. Uh, he, uh, we're going to have him on more of the UFO shows. But um, he's a man of great insight and a man of great experience. And uh, did you have any questions at this point? Yeah, I do. If I could um, just hear more about the relationship between your perception of the spiritual body and the, the physical body. And is one of them more or less authentic, or do you see them as just separate experiences? Is, is one experience more authentic? Are you asking me? Yeah, that, I want to hear more of your, your worldview, your understanding of this, this phenomenon. Okay. Um, because I am on the board of the International Association of Near-Death Studies, I have come to hear many, many stories of people who have had similar experiences to the point where we have had to write into the bylaws near-death-like experiences because so many thousands of people now are having similar experiences where they either go to the light or meet with whomever their religious figure that um, is most important to them and have that communication. So to me, when you're asking me the difference between, you know, the physical body, I see several bodies that we have, but there is one that is uh, higher than the physical aspect of us, and that is the one that we use during our dream state, for example, or when we... Let's say if we're under anesthesia and travel out of the body, which is pretty common. All right. Um, did you? Okay. We, inter I don't know, this is, um, um, in, in, by the late 1970s, I was really questioning a lot of, at least the terminology. And, and it's not the, 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 uh, the realities that, I question. I think it's it's perhaps the terminology and the the baggage that the terminology has, and uh, 
the problem is, of course, as I'm always saying, that our language isn't really up to actually talking about this. But in my experience, the, these various alternate states of consciousness, as, they're, const- as, as they're, they're commonly referred to, are actually real lives we're living in parallel realities. And again, of course, it's probably, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. But I just have a problem with, well, here, here's the essence of it. I have a problem with us being us without our bodies. I don't think that's possible. And, and if you look at, um, a lot, well, I don't know. What say you? I mean, it just, it just, I just, I just don't think the, the, the totality of memory, uh, even though that, that may, that's probably non-local, the, the, the totality of us includes our bodies, and I just have a problem with the spiritualist approach that says the body is absolutely zero, as far as as we are concerned. I mean, what say you? The important thing to me is that. What happens after death, then, if your body has died? Don't you have a continuing consciousness? Oh, yeah, but it's, it's because you have bodies all over the multiverse. I mean, you're living all sorts of... You're one big life, yes, so, so to speak. You know, that that's the way I've experienced it. Yes, and absolutely. And that's, that's why I've run into ghosts who are not dead and, and all sorts of bizarre... You know, phantom houses and time, you know, things that go way beyond the spiritualist approach. And again, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, just these things happen to you. They didn't happen to me. So you know best. But, well, um, and absolutely, I agree with you that we have multiple aspects of ourselves living in parallel universes. And, and to me, that is something that we're going to become more aware of as this, I, to me, I, talk about the veil thinning as we our frequency of the planet and the people get higher there's that word again ben we're constantly running oh, vibration the word frequency i, frequency, I understand what people are saying yeah yeah vibration. it's just but you uh, everybody use but maybe we're the oddballs maybe but i don't know i just don't i just don't feel the need to use words like that but let's i um, understand molecules vibrate and and yeah and uh yeah, you, know, you know we run you run into this in shamanic studies so i mean we're the ones i think with, with the uh, i just think it's i just think it's a weird way to describe things but but you know, I don't, I don't know. But let's let's lead into something a, a little different. Um, have you heard of uh, Dr. Michael Persinger? Yes, I have. So he has uh, simulated NDEs in laboratory experiments and he, like the God Helmet and things like that. Uh, what do you think of his work? Well, uh, just you know, to not to digress from your question, but to back it up, I guess um, about. A little over a year ago, I was in Sweden talking at the Science of Consciousness conference, and there were people like Sir Roger Penrose and Deepak Chopra and others speaking at the conference that after seven days, there was still such a question mark about where does consciousness exist, and and yes, all of these scientists and researchers that were there said, you know, my research tells me this, we can stimulate this and we can stimulate that, but yet there was no consensus at all. And so my feeling is that if we are only using 10% of our brain, yes, when we are able at some point, I hope, to use more of our brain, then we are going to be able to access these various abilities or anomalies with greater ease than we can today. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. We had Dr. Persinger on the show. This goes back a few years, and uh, we were prepared to blow him out of the water. But I mean, we, we not the, you know, I mean, not not to um, uh, overemphasize our own abilities here. But we he, we were very surprised to hear him say that just because these things can be stimulated quote-unquote artificially doesn't mean they aren't real and i think that that's that's the real uh-huh. issue and I'm, I'm i'm sure you agree exactly um, yeah and uh so but he, he was very open-minded to that and i was i was rather impressed with that so um <laughs> we're gonna back on again in in uh, uh, a few months and and see what uh, where his work has been going but the um I, you have, do you have another question father yeah i mean when we I'm interested in, in consciousness as well, and I've always been um, struck by the strength of uh, people like Graziano's work 
um, that's kind of the null hypothesis, is that consciousness is just kind of an epiphenomenon of uh, of chemistry, brain chemistry. Um, do you feel that the null hypothesis has been disproven? What kind of evidence? Um, and, I mean, we, we certainly have stories, we have narratives, we have experiences, but in these conferences that you go to, you know, it's treated as a science. What kind of, how, how does that scientific data look? Well, if I understand you correctly, you know, um, earlier Paul alluded to non-local consciousness, and, and I think that is where we have to head in that direction of realizing that this has been scientifically proven over and over again. Dr. Larry Dossey started the studies where he would have people pray for patients in a wing of the hospital that had had heart surgery and without them knowing they were being prayed for. And they got better, required less anesthesia, and were released sooner. So I, I think that that's... A, part of the understanding of where we're going. Yeah, and the way that, that I think I can even speak for Paul and Ben here, the way that we understand this is that that is a, um, evidence of the unity, you know, of this, of this sharing that we have where yeah. through, through I call it prayer, you know, you can call it positive energy, um, it really does have an ontological effect on, on creation. And that's a problem community. for standard science. Right. Because you know, it, it goes outside the scientific materialist paradigm. Something mm -hmm. that isn't a little uh, materialistic, you got to speak a little closer to that mic. Thank you, boss. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> so, well, you're anyway. really, yeah, just, right. just saying. Okay. Sound quality. No, my, my sound knows more about, uh, my son knows more about sound than I do. Okay. Let's hey, take our commercial break, and we'll be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley with our wonderful guest, Dr. Nancy Clark. Stay with us. Hi, this is Romeo Berthiam inviting you to join me every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 for the Saturday Show. This all-request program includes music, news, sports, weather, and all sorts of community announcements. And what a great way to start your weekend. Join me this Saturday morning. All right, well, I wanted to remind you of Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle, these marvelous e-reading devices that allow you to download books, magazines, and newspapers and read them at your leisure without having to go to the bookstore or spend lots of money on gas or do other things of that kind. Just buy it once and you can download just very much like you do with your cell phone or your computer. So, Amazon Kindle starts as low as $79. You can get uh, a number of, uh, all, I believe it's all, at this point over 2 million publications uh, now, if you go uh, want to go a little uh, little higher, you can get the Amazon Kindle Fire, which came out last November. It was the biggest gift last Christmas and uh, last holiday gift-giving season. Everybody loves it of all ages. And what you can do with that is you can download all sorts of uh, uh, publications of this kind, too. Also, films, games, apps, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, well into the millions, and it's a marvelous investment as far as I'm concerned. And you can also download three of my, four of my books, uh, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, uh, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, and if you are a history buff, Rhode Island, A Genial History, written with Glenn Laxton, formerly of Channel 12, marvelous fellow and great historian. So, check it out, Amazon Kindle, uh, Amazon.com online, or Staples, and get reading. It's, it's a wonderful way to do it and a tremendous way to save money on your reading and to build up a library in the virtual sense. So we're back with our guest, Nancy Clark, Dr. Nancy Clark, and we're continuing our discussion of NDEs and what they can do to you. So uh, let me ask you this, Dr. Clark. Do you feel that these near-death experiences were directly responsible for your subsequent healing abilities that you now exercise, or, or was it part of a pattern, or, or what was the story uh, as far as um, how that developed? Interestingly, um, I didn't develop the healing abilities right away after those experiences happened. And it was not until 1991 I was sitting talking to a gentleman in my living room for the first time. And 
I kept noticing a dark area on his white shirt. And finally I said, you know, before you yeah, leave... my wife does that to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to lie down on the sofa. And, you know, this wild look in his eyes, he says, what are you going to do to me? And I said, I have no idea. I had no interest in healing. But, you know, I was just feeling like I had to do something. So he, when the time came, he laid down and I thought, okay, how would you get rid of this dark area, you know, sweep it out. So I just used my hand going back and forth, and I could see, like, golden threads coming out of my hand. And so when everything was the same color, then I said, okay, you can get up now. Well, the poor man ran for the door, never saw him again. (laughs) But (laughs) after that... People that worked at his office started calling and saying, you know that man you cured of his chronic ulcers? Could you see me? Mm. And at that time, I had no idea what organs were where. So I really had to start studying. And, and to this day, I still continue to study because there are always new illnesses coming up. Yeah, that's, that seems funny. I wonder if the pharmaceutical companies aren't behind that. Well, uh, what do you mean when you st- when you say that you started to see inside people's bodies? I mean, it seems like an obvious answer, but maybe it's not. What? How did? What, what's that about? It's all about seeing every organ, every gland, every disc and vertebra in your spine. It it is just quite amazing to be able to go through the systems of the body to see what's working and, and what is not. Because so often, illnesses are interrelated. You may think that something is a direct result of, of one thing, but it's really tied into another organ or gland. See, one of the things that... I, see, I would interpret, if this happened to me, I would say, well, gee, I'm just in connection with where I'm... a a doctor or a healer or a shaman or something in some parallel life somewhere. And um, what, what one term you mentioned kind of makes me a little nervous just from my experience, and that's spirit guides. Now, sure, uh, we ha- there are angels and, and, and good people out there or whatever they may be who, who guide us and help us. I'm, I, I have no doubt of that. It's happened to me. But I just am, I don't know, I just the term kind of sends a shiver up my spine because I've seen many times when something has claimed to be a spirit guide and the people very willingly and then with a good heart followed it and it turned out to be something entirely different that was a liar you know <laughs> oh, and yeah. uh, how do you, yep. how do you how do you avoid that how do you um, how did you test your own spirit guides in this this I endeavor? always ask to make sure I am clear because to me this is absolutely critical and I know exactly what you're talking about because I've seen too many people who tell me you know they've met the most wonderful spirit guide and and they're not that at all but I think that we do have I don't know what else to call it those who have agreed to help us from that other dimension yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I spent some time in Afghanistan, and there were people who, that you know, we needed help because we were out of our place, and so we needed guides, and uh, you you wouldn't know until after you were betrayed that that someone was was truly your you know looking out for your best interest or not, and they could really pose as someone who was your friend, and also sometimes it had nothing to do with their intent. Sometimes they were just incompetent. And I, this is this is another way to, to frame this concern is that in the spirit world, because of we spend most of our time in the body, we are strangers. And there are beings in my worldview who are not strangers to that land. And, you know, so, so again, how do you develop the discernment? Uh, to know, to be able to look into that, that spirit guide's heart or whatever it is and, and be able to trust or not trust? Oh, you're going to love my answer, <laughs> especially Ben. Um, the fact is that I can feel the difference now if, if it is 
malevolent or someone who is authentically has been around me since childhood. It's like um, being able to feel uh, the presence of your mother. She has a, a certain uh, energy about her that makes you know that she's there. And the same is true with these beings from the other side that I have come to know over a lifetime. Does that make any sense? It, it does, but, I mean, you, you're still trusting your own discernment. I mean, I, I made a friend at a bazaar, and he sold me a rug for about five times what it was supposed to cost. <laughs> and, you know, and, I mean, that's okay. And, I'm, I mean, it's just, an, it's still, I think it's still an open question of, because I don't know if we can always trust our feelings. I do, un, I do sympathize with this idea of the, you, you intuit your mother. When you are held by your mother, you, you, there's a joining. So I'm with you there. But there's a difference between that and someone you barely know. I mean, if some spirit comes up to you and is like, hey, what up? I'm your spirit guide. You can't just be like, oh, cool. I can tell you're kind of a good person because I've made that mistake with a lot of people that I was friends with in my time and a lot uh-huh. of people that were close to me. And it's just one of those things where you constantly have to question. And you can't just... Trusts. I I have a hard time trusting a lot of people because of this, because it's just instinct to just not trust most things you hear. Because I constantly question the information I get. I question myself, and it's to the point where it's like, all right, well, how can I trust this? I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that, of course, the younger you are, the more you're going to run into that and I think my world is really unique because I work with people um, participants in my classes that come to me knowing what I'm about so they're not going to you know think that I'm really throwing them for a loop because of what I'm saying when I speak to audiences I am talking to audiences that understand where I'm coming from. Even if there are a thousand people, they seem to understand. Okay, well, let me ask you a very practical question. Uh, how do you avoid being accused of practicing medicine without a license? That's a problem for a lot of people who have the healing abilities. And Well, in the first place, I do not have to touch a client ever, ever, because energy work. It avoids a lot of problems. Yes, absolutely. So that's that's the number one thing. Well, there's also you know what you say on your website, and I'm not I'm saying I'm not saying you say anything on your website, but but in general, when people uh, claim they do this or on their website or in advertising, or sometimes the state, depending on the state, that they can get in trouble. But I mean, because I notice your your doctorate is in philosophy, which is terrific. There are all too few of us, but but um, so but you you've never had an issue with that. No, never. Okay, and you've been doing this for how long? Twenty years, and you know, around the world in other countries, I have many doctors who are in my classes, mm-hmm. but here in the U.S., um, not so many because they they really are concerned with what the maybe their contemporaries are going to think of them but I did I'll tell you a quick story I had a man in a class at Esalen Institute who was a doctor in Maui in the ER and he said tell me how I can repair an injured spinal cord because right now I'm sending at least one kid home a week to the mainland who is a paraplegic or quadriplegic because of surfing accidents. So I showed him a technique he could use. Three months later, he called me at home, and he said, my hospital is just really happy because since I took your class, I have not sent one kid home as a paraplegic or quadriplegic. That's good. Uh, I'll think twice next time I go surfing in Hawaii. Uh, do you 
I know Ben's got a question here, but do, do how does this information come to you? Do these what are these spirit? I hate to you know keep belaboring the spirit guide issue, but um, what what happens? Do, do they tell you anything, or do they just guide you to people, or or your own your own intuition will, as you say, see inside the body and be able to take action in a positive way? They actually download techniques to me, and that's what my book is full of. Is uh-huh. Yeah, we never received that. I so I'm, I'm a, I would like to have read it before we spoke, but uh, unfortunately we, we didn't receive it, and I apologize for uh, being uninformed about it. But oh, well, I'll, I will get another one in the mail right away. But I know one went out. Oh, that's right. Didn't didn't receive it. Well, anyway, so I'm I'm sorry to, but you know, go ahead. You uh, you have this information downloaded. Yes, and yeah. and so it's really amazing the different areas that it covers. For example, people that have, um, they've just undergone surgery and they have a lot of anesthesia in their body or they've traveled to a place and they picked up some toxicity. There's something called an etheric transfusion and you transfuse the etheric blood and once you make, this is another important thing to say, is Corrections are made in the etheric body, and then they go into the physical body. So that's that's another difference between me working with the physical body. I don't do that at all. Yeah, it sounds very shamanic. What what is your percentage of success to failure? You know, I have no way of answering that because of the fact that, you know, maybe I'm in a country uh, one week or two weeks. A year, and then I go to the next country, and then the next. And people, you know, I I may see them only one time and never again. So I don't know what their rate is. I do know that when I had been going to Japan three months a year for the past ten years until Fukushima, and it was one particular day I was demonstrating on a man who was big and bulky compared to most Japanese men. And after the demonstration of a particular technique, he just captured my translator and said, look, I can move my arm. And he said, my arm's been frozen for three years. Well, I wasn't even looking at that. I was focusing on something else. Hmm. So, okay. you know, miracles happen. And I sure they do, every day. Yep. It's exciting okay. work. Okay. All right. So I have a quick question here. So you teach a seminar all over the world on how to, uh, well, quote, become a modern shaman, unquote. So what is a shaman to you? To me, there are many aspects of a shaman, and one is being able to move interdimensionally and to me, oh, they have so many qualities. It's now recognized by anthropologists that they are the most respected, the wisest members of the tribe, and and they can do things that that we can't imagine, or that our Western society would poo-poo. But but I think adapting to situations is really important um, to me they have one foot in physical reality and the other foot in spirit they can suspend time to use it to their advantage and that's a technique I teach in all my classes that it's, it's a wonderful way if you have to go across town and you're running 10 minutes late or 15 minutes late you can suspend time or stretch time so that you can make it exactly at the time you want to be there. Mm-hmm. You report that during your shaman classes in Japan, Nancy, uh, the group actually stopped rains during the rainy season. Um, how did you do that? How do you know it was you? And how did local farmers feel about that? It, it, I'm kind well, of a jocular question, the third one. <laughs> there aren't too many farmers on Mount Fuji. No, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, it's a national park, I believe. There is a technique that a lot of us use, 
and and you can have an imaginary knife. I mean, with um, medicine men or shamans, they would use an actual knife and throw it, starting um, holding the blade and flip it over and over, and it would go into the ground. And then above that, the sky would clear. And so I would have the whole group stand in a circle and imagine that they were throwing down this knife and the sky would absolutely clear. I don't do this myself when I'm, obviously if I'm teaching, everybody has to participate. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we saw it happen again and again where it was raining all the way around us or it was raining in the front of the place we were staying and not in the back. Yeah, I've seen that sort of thing happen myself. Um, Taking a little bit further here, uh, hallucinogenic drugs are part of many shamanic traditions, especially in the Amazon Basin, where I know you have visited and studied with shamans. Um, have you, if, if you don't have to answer this, but uh, I would be curious about whether you yourself have ever used uh, any DMT-based plant, like ayahuasca or anything like that, uh, as many legitimate shamans do. Do you have any uh, comment? No, on? I have never had the courage to use that. Sounds like you don't need to. Well, and if you talk to a lot of the modern shamans, I've talked to a couple in Brazil, and they said they now no longer use any hallucinogenics well, that's because good to know. Yeah. they feel they need to have a direct connection instead of being not totally connected. Yeah. I've got a question about slowing time. So what, what's the mechanism? Are, are we um, slowing time, the perception of time? Are we increasing our perception relative to people around us? Is it a localized phenomenon? How, how, how do you explain this? To me, it only affects the person who's doing it. And, and if you want to know the technique, I think I could tell you and you can understand it completely. You put your hands in front of your chest in prayer fashion and think about the exact time you want to either be pulling into the parking lot or walking into the building where your appointment is. And once you see that on the digital clock, then you start spreading your hands out to shoulder width and then put them forward so palms are facing forward and that locks that memory in place and then you never think about the clock again you don't look at it you don't think about when you're going to be there but after you've parked your car and walked in the building then you look at your watch and and get amazed that sounds exactly like a qigong exercise really yeah yeah it's part of tai chi oh I can use that one on my publication deadlines. Which isn't surprising. I mean, it yeah. is energy. So yeah, yeah, they do all interconnect. It's interesting. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it seems to us there are many amazing similarities between the shamanic experience, Nancy, and the alien abduction experience, as, as reported, as both are reported sort of through history. Uh, even in the human traditions regarding things like fairies, you know, things we laugh at today, but people... Uh, claim of what were legitimate in, in the, their their folklore and culture, uh, including physical pain, uh, bodily rearrangements, things of that kind. Has that a sort of thing ever happened to you? The um, uh, you know sh- that kind of shamanic experience whereby people from the quote the spirit world or you know take you into some house in the sky. You know these are all part of the tradition. Has that ever happened to you? The the painful physical experiences that have gone with some of the shamanic um, development in the cultures around us? No, because it's not in my paradigm. I don't want to experience pain for any reason. <laughs> so okay, I'm afraid I, we have we have to to um, we have to cut this short for a second. Short. We'll we'll get right back. We to have your a answer. local sports report that we have to get in. So just bear with us. Thank you. Okay, okay so we have Frank DiGiacomo on the line, and he's going to be uh, informing us about our little league game. So what's going on, Frank? Hey there, guys, and hello, everybody. This is Frank Giacomo for ON Sports Live at Richard Peck Field. And it is packed out here. And right now the score is 0-0 after the top of the first. Bases loaded. Connor Sheehan, number 15, got into trouble with 30 pitches thrown. 
Bases loaded, but he got two strikeouts, one looking and one going down. That was Jason Cabral and Jeff Peachy going down in order. So bases loaded, Sheen got out of it. 0-0 as we go to the bottom of the first as Perville takes the field. More coming back to you live from Richard Peckfield right here on ON1240. This sports report is brought to you by the Carew Investment Group. Expecting a distribution from your company retirement plan? You need the help of a financial professional. Call stockbroker and investment advisor Ed Carew. You may be retiring, but your money can't afford to retire. Keep your money working harder with an investment plan designed just for you. Ed Carew has over 20 years of investment experience in IRA rollovers, 401k and 403b distributions from employee retirement plans and in retirement planning so that you don't outlive your money. For superior service and advice on investment planning and long-term care, call Ed at 765-8880. Securities offered through Delta Equity Services Corp. Member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Delta Global Asset Management, a registered investment advisor. All right, so we are back to our scheduled programming, which is Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with our special co-host, which is Father Father. Anthony Perkins, and also we have our great and wonderful guest, our great Dr. Nancy. All right, so let's go back to answering that question that we were talking about that I forgot the question already. Okay, well, the uh, well, I was asking uh, Dr. Nancy whether the uh, the physical uh, aspects, the painful physical aspects of the transition to shamanhood or uh, this sort of thing that is reported in many traditions had happened had actually happened to her, and she was she was answering in the negative. I'm sorry to have interrupted, Nancy. Please go ahead. To me, a lot of the the ritual happens when members of a tribe reach puberty, and so I never was, you know, at that point where I had to participate in anything like that. If that makes sense. Sure. Well, no, of course. Well, as a matter of fact, there, there is a certain. I've been thinking a lot about the what people are calling the thinning boundaries between worlds because of the perhaps the electromagnetic nature of the astronomical neighborhood at this point um, and the energies that are kind of flying around there that even astronomers are sometimes talking about as sort of thinning the electromagnetic boundaries uh, in a very physical sense and uh, all these things occurring perhaps without the, the the transition that had been required at other points in history. So I don't know, maybe that's true, maybe that's not. I don't know. Uh, Father, did you have any further questions? Yeah, how does how does your um, worldview anticipate the singularity? And here I mean the, the idea that their technology will become so advanced that we could live outside of our bodies and have a complete experience, you know, a sensual experience and everything. How, how does this relate to your idea of the ether body or etheric body? Yes, with the, the etheric body, and I am absolutely in harmony with that thinking that as the veil thins, we are going to become much more aware of other lives and being able to have an awareness of consciousness, which right now, if, if people have that, and, and a good example of that is uh, schizophrenia, where the people are experiencing multiple cells, where they can change eye color in 30 seconds and, uh, you know, be allergic to things um, that they aren't in one physical aspect of themselves but they are in another and so the difference between that and somebody who is a mentally healthy is going to be a part of our future as it becomes common people are not going to be so terrified of having let's say an out-of-body experience or or tuning in to an aspect of themselves Okay, yeah, I think that's uh, <clears throat> you're probably on the right track there for sure. Well, I think we're just about out of time. We have a lot of announcements tonight, but Dr. Nancy, please stay in touch. We look forward to seeing your book. Please send it. And um, 
All I can say is uh, good luck with your work, but be careful. Any final comments, uh, Ben or Father Anthony? Uh, well, it was wonderful having you on the show. I really, really enjoyed talking to someone who has had some similar experiences to me, at least. So, Father Anthony, do you have anything, any last words? Yeah, thanks for your time. Sounds like a threat. I'm very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you all Nancy, so th- much. Nancy, thanks I a lot. Thanks for being with us. Have a good night. Okay, Thank very you. Good. Bye. All right. Okay. All right, so we have a lot of announcements to get through, so let's just plow right through these. So my dad and I will be in Torrington, Connecticut this Thursday, July 19th, as part of the Town's Summer Author Expo and Main Street Festival. Oh, wait, is that a Thursday? Yeah. Well, looks like I won't be here on Thursday. There has been a uh, change in the schedule, and we will not be presenting our program Exploring the Paranormal with uh, with uh, CBS Radio's Paul and Ben Eno at the library. Instead, we will be at booth number 11 on Main Street, where we will interview people individually about their own experiences in this very active Paranormal Triangle area. And we will be there from 5 to 9 p.m. And my dad's books and a number of others will be available for sale. Okay, and let me just, we had to cut off poor Dr. Nancy here before we gave her website again, energyhealing.com, and you can check, uh, check out her books and her work at that site. Okay, now for our UK listeners, plans have been finalized for our appearance in Suffolk, England on Saturday, September 22nd. We will present our program, Exploring the Paranormal, with CBS Radio's Paul and Ben Eno, which Ben just mentioned, at the Grove House, Ho- <coughs> excuse me, the Grove House Hotel in Woodbridge from 7 to 11 p.m. Tickets are 15 pounds per person, not dollars, pounds, and will include a full buffet dinner courtesy of the hotel. Uh, profits will go to local charities. Uh, the evening will include a town hall meeting on paranormal events in this highly active area, which was the scene of the famous Rendlesham Forest UFO incidents of 1980. Uh, Larry Warren, a former U.S. Air Force, uh, eyewitness to that event and co-author of the book Left at East Gate, plans to be joining us that evening at the program. So you get to meet Larry, too. Uh, for information and to buy tickets, visit www.spaceportuk.com slash events or just go to the behindtheparanormal.com site, our show website, and look for the link to that UK site under What's New. Uh, Gordy Goodger is promoting the event, and he's the one selling the tickets, so you can check that out under the What's New section at our main page at BehindTheParanormal.com. Okay, so now that we're running out of time, we have about a minute left here. Finally, I will be uh, featured... Featured, uh, will be featured speakers at the All Hallows Eve Psychic Fair at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island on Sunday, October 28th. Watch for more info on those events at www.behindtheparanormal.com. So don't forget, you can get nearly 400 free podcasts of all our shows at www.behindtheparanormal.com. So many thanks to our co-host again, Father Anthony Perkins, and our producer, Ben the Man himself. And we'll see you next Monday, July 23rd, right here on ON 1240 AM, OneWorldwide.com. When Ben and I will take the hour to talk about paranormal parasites in human history. All right, so on our regular CBS edition, on Sunday, July 22nd in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Seattle, we'll have an open-line show on a number of mind-bending paranormal topics. We'll leave you with a quote from Mahatma Gandhi himself. Quote, it is better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.